0: Hey, welcome back to Revival on the Air today. We've had a bit of a break over the last few months, but we've got some great episodes coming up for you in the coming weeks, so stay tuned. This episode is from when I recently interviewed two ladies, Jenny and Chris from Adelaide, who are great friends who've both had some pretty amazing things happen in their lives. I've split the interview over two episodes, and in this episode we hear mostly from Jenny, and boy does she have some things to talk about including being miraculously healed from a stroke before the doctor's very eyes, of being healed instantly of grief that had plagued her for 15 years, and of her husband surviving and recovering from when his plane crashed at 380 kilometres per hour. My name is Ben Campbell, and this is Revival on the Air Today. Chris and Jenny, welcome to Revival on the Air Today. Thank you, Ben. This is, I think this might be the first podcast I've done with two people who are not a married couple.
1: (laughs) But you're a bit
0: of a duo though, the two of you, aren't you? You sort of hunt in packs, don't you? We do, we do, we do. (laughs) We've
1: noted for that. (laughs)
0: Um, So we're going to try and grab both of your testimonies um, because you've both got some pretty amazing miracles uh, that have happened to you or people close to you uh, since you've been following God. So Jenny, we might start with you first. Where did your journey with God first start?
2: Well, um, my sister um, belonged to the Revival Fellowship and um, But I sort of wasn't listening to her. I was actually, my mother died when I was 18 and I dragged my children to every church and I wanted to know answers about death. But no one could tell me where, where you go, what happens when you die. It got to the stage where I was um, obsessed with it and uh, this went on for 15 years. Wow. And then um, Sue, my sister, um, who was in the Revival Fellowship, said to me, um, you know, she's got cancer and that um, she's only got three months to live. And I thought, well, now, God, what are you doing now? You took my mother and now you're taking my sister. What are you going to do? You know, and I sort of loved God one minute because he gives me children when I had them mm. and then I, I hated him because he took my family. And But um, anyway... It, I sort of started looking at the church because they speak in tongues and um, that was something strange I hadn't seen from other churches and I thought, oh, I might just go and um, see what this is about. But uh, before I did that, I went to Sue's place, uh, the one who had cancer, and uh, there was a gentleman sitting there and, uh, of course, naturally the Lord came up and I said to him, "Will you tell me, if you know everything about God, where it says in the Bible, where you go when you die. And he opened the Bible up in front of me. In Thessalonians, it tells you about where you are where you go. You fall asleep. When you die, your body might disappear, but your spirit goes to sleep. And then one day you will meet the Lord in the air if you're spirit-filled. And that blew me away. Absolutely blew me away. So for six weeks, I sort of hummed and hard, but it never left my mind. And then I thought, right, Sue said to me, Jenny... I would happy to be, die knowing if you came to the Lord. And so that really struck me hard. I thought, she's happy to die, and uh, why, why is that, you know? So I came to a meeting and got fully baptised straight away, and instantly that grief I had for 15 years about my mother left me.
0: Well, instantly? Instantly, wow. just
2: instantly, in the baptism tank. And I knew something had happened because I never thought of my mother for, you know, I I thought of her every day of my life for 15 years and yet I never thought of mum. And all of a sudden, you know, I felt really different, something had happened. And then a week later I went to the meeting and um, uh, they have a prayer line and I went out to the prayer line and uh, the brothers laid hands on me, like it says in Mark 16, to lay hands on them. And uh, and I did that and um, I received the Holy Spirit and it changed my whole life. Just amazing. And
0: how long ago was that?
2: That was 28 years ago. My sister, I keep forgetting to say, but she was healed of um, that lymphatic cancer. Oh, wow. No signs of cancer ever since 28 years ago.
0: Wow, that's amazing.
2: Amazing. Mm.
0: So you've seen a lot of pretty amazing things over your 28 years.
2: I have. Mm.
0: Um, Can you share a couple of those with us?
2: Uh, Yes, well, um, my husband, um, who uh, was an atheist... And um, he didn't um, believe in God, but um, he saw the change in me and my children. And um, anyway, so what uh, was the
0: change? What did he? What did he say? Well,
2: my children were giving me a, uh, well, one particular son was giving me a hard time at home, and he would actually um, throw tantrums. He'd run away from home before Peter would come home from work, and um, he was distru- disturbing all the children. You know, the other three children, and um, and when i came to the lord in the february and they have a kids camp and james would love action he loves games and everything like that so i said you know look this camp has games and everything like that you could enjoy that and um james wouldn't stay two minutes at anything and when i dropped him off i said lord i don't want him back he's it was peace that reigned at home without him but what had happened was God didn't bring him back because he he was filled with the Holy Spirit at camp and spoke in tongues, got baptised and changed the whole household. This one son changed the whole household. It was just amazing. That was the first wow. bit, you know, first miracle. Was <laughs> well, second because I'd, you know, the Lord healed me from the stroke, uh, from the um, uh, pain of my mother. So... Um, yeah, so then um, Peter, my husband, was a crop duster, and
0: so for those that don't know what a crop duster is,
2: that that is a person that has flies aeroplanes and sprays crops with um, chemicals. And uh, we were living at Queensland at the time, and,
0: and it's a pretty it's a pretty dangerous thing, right? Because you're oh, you're flying low and you're flying. Yeah. Oh, you, you hit know, power mo- lines. Moving a um, lot. You yeah. hit
2: uh, tops of trees. Yeah. And if you go out to those properties, you can see how they go so low. You think you know they're going to crash. Yeah. You think. But um, this particular day, there was a job his boss gave him, uh, which Peter hadn't flown on it before, and uh, there was a power line through it. And uh, his wheel clipped it, and he was going 380 kilometres an hour, went straight into the ground, pushed his face into his brain. 380 kilometres an hour straight into the ground. Amazing. Pushed his face into his brain, um, broke his arm, his leg. So when Peter had the plane crash, I was at... In a meeting in Toowoomba when the phone call comes to say that he's been rushed to the Brisbane hospital. Anyway we went to the hospital and they were going to they said to me that he will only have 10% chance of living but if he does live um, he will um, be a vegetable. I don't want anyone that has to be totally dependent on me because um, I've already had that with a relative and and uh, you know no lord you heal him totally or you take him. And that's exactly what the Lord did. He healed him totally, no brain damage. They said he had brain damage. You know, um, his leg went black, and the pulse in his leg went black. So they're going to amputate the leg. Mm-hmm. But um, on the table, it came pink back, and the pulse came, and they saved it. Re did his face with three hundred screws, titanium so, plates.
0: So imagine at this point you were praying.
2: Oh, constantly. A lot. <laughs> Constantly. I was at the prayer line every time something he needed for his body, like when they were going to redo his face, um, they wait till the swelling goes down before they redo the fa- face. So, what do, you, what do
0: you mean by redo the face? Well,
2: because he pushed his face into his brain, right. uh, he had no face really. So, they, so what, is
0: that because of the bones were broken in his face? Oh, or? Everything,
2: yeah, the bones were totally crushed um his chin actually was hanging by a thread so um you know they just sewed that on but i'd go out to the prayer line and say lord i don't want to be kissing a man if it doesn't look like my husband so you've got to have to make the surgeons do the right thing bring him back to how he was you know and he did (laughs) It was just amazing so they built rebuilt his face with 300 screws and titanium plates and he looks identical you know just amazing rebuilt his leg um well they were going to he had two big holes in his leg and um they put rods through it and everything and these two big holes um for the first month of his home being home they have a nurse come around to open up these um holes in the plaster and bath them and then they shut it back up they did that for a month and they said look he's going to need skin grafts when uh, the plaster comes off nine months later the pa- plaster comes off and it was totally healed. My husband actually, at that time, pra- asked me to pray and lay hands on him, which I did. And he, he, you know, just thought I need something. He was in so much pain. And then nine months later, the plaster comes off, and they were the doctors were saying this can't be him because he's got to have he's got to have skin grafts. But the Lord healed them, and he's got the scars there to show today. You know, amazing miracle. You know, just. Um, yeah, even came to the um, investigation of everything. The um, He had a... So this
0: is the investigation of the accident? Of the accident,
2: yep. yeah. Well, what happened? When Peter had the plane crash, he had crash and made headlines because the ambulance and the fire brigades went there straight away, but no one would touch him because they didn't know the chemicals that were there.
0: Oh, the chemicals that he was that he carrying was on the spraying. plane, yeah. Yeah, right.
2: and so um, no one would touch him. And uh, and it wasn't until um, the owner of the property came home to say, ''Look, it's just like petrol. Get him out.'' And so this made big headlines, you know. So then when it came to the um, uh, investigation of the accident, he had this seatbelt on him in the plane when flying. Well, that came off during the accident, and um, if he had kept it on, the dashboard would have hit him in the head and he would have been killed instantly. But with the seatbelt coming off, he slumped in the chair and it hit his face. So the Lord, you know, div- totally delivered him from that because, you know, he's alive today, still flies aeroplanes today. Just amazing miracles. So you know? you're
0: saying that post-accident yeah. that yeah. they were trying to replicate the seatbelt coming oh, off Oh,
2: definitely. Him. And the seatbelt worked perfectly every time. It couldn't come undone. And yet it did come undone in the accident. So amazing and he's miracle. still here today? And, oh, yes. And how fly- long ago was that? That was, um, I reckon, sixteen years ago. Yeah, right. Wow. Yeah, still flies. Yeah.
0: And you've got a pretty amazing testimony yourself.
2: I do. I do. Yeah. Well, um, in two thousand twelve, I had um, a mitral valve. I was born with a mitral valve. It was a problem. What's that? That's a valve in my heart that um, was not right. It wasn't pumping right. And I had to be looked after, you know, every two years with it. But then I had four children and a family and a business, and then i never go to the doctors because I think I'm fine and God's looking after me. But um, it came to a point where um, I had to have um, uh, some other things looked at, and um, he said, you've got a multiple valve. we better check that heart again. When they checked it, my heart was three times the size it was. The valve had stopped working, so I needed emergency heart surgery. But my daughter was having her baby and I said, can we hold off a bit? And he said, well, not really. I said, well, i have to be there for the baby. <laughs> but he said, well, it'll take two months to go through the test anyway. So he said, but you've probably been living like this for six months so we can hold that off, you know. So on 2000, in 2012 February the 7th I went under and had the repair on my valve Um, But I also had the worst case of arrhythmia in your heart. So I can remember as a little child walking along, hitting my heart, it's not working, and just hit my chest and and, uh, this would happen all the time. So the doctor said it was the worst case he'd seen. So while they had my heart in their hands... Um, they shocked my heart into rhythm to get it into rhythm. But what they did, they shocked it 20 times. And um, how I know that was my doctor, who's 75, read out the report and said, they should never have done it 20 times, they're only allowed to do it about three times. And what they did, they cooled the bottom part of my heart. So I've got no electrolytes in my bottom of my heart, it's completely dead. Well, I was stumping them because I wasn't in there for a heart replacement. But they didn't know what to do with me. I was only one uh, beat per minute, uh, ten beats per minute. And um, they were, you know, really stumped. But you know the best thing about it, Ben? I was so sick. I was only struggling to breathe. And that's all I could think was to breathe. Was the, I knew the people, my family in the Lord, they were praying for me. And... Knowing that those people are praying for me. When, when you can't pray, you know other people are doing that for you. And the power of prayer is, is amazing. And uh, I knew that. And I had saints coming in to pray. And Chris, my friend, she was coming in. She was seeing me getting worse all the time. And, uh, yeah, it was just uh, just amazing until they said, right, we're going to make a new pacemaker for you. And it's going to go from the top of your heart to the bottom of your heart. And then it'll make it beat as one. Even though your bottom, your heart will never repair, but it'll beat as one. And so, when you go, when you have heart surgery, you go on blood thinners. And so, they took me off the blood thinners to have this pacemaker put in. And of course, I've been in intensive care for so long. And then, so you are going to then they put me back into a normal room. And on the day, um, this particular Saturday, our church was having a prayer and fast. That's where people um, pray and they don't eat. And the Bible talks about it, and how it's very um, miracles can happen in that time, which this particular day it did. And my daughter came in and saw me have the stroke, and she cried out to the so nurse. Hang on, so
0: hang on, the stroke.
2: Oh, sorry. So <laughs> I, I had. So I wasn't feeling well in the morning, yeah. and and Lisa came in. So you're daughter, still in hospital. I'm this still point. in hospital. Yep. Yeah, but they. Brought me up from the ward from having the the pacemaker put in, and then the next day I was feeling awful, and my daughter came in and saw me. You know, I looked awful, and she could see me having a stroke. But I went unconscious. And what did
0: she see? Like what were the well, she the saw symptoms? my
2: um, side um, uh, drop. My hands, my left side wasn't moving. Yeah. Um, everything was dropping on my left side.
0: So the classical stroke, stroke symptoms, you yeah.
2: Know. yeah. But where this blood clot was, I'd lost both eyesight. So it was right in the middle of my brain, or wherever it was, I was getting affected by both sides, but mainly my left. And um, but so she had. So I went unconscious and woke up in in the CT scan. But in the meantime, Lisa had rang our pastor at, at the time at the meeting for them to all pray for me to be healed. So fifteen, they talk I woke up in the CT scan. They told me that you're going to have an operation on your brain, and fifteen minutes later. Oh,
0: so, what did you think then? Because, well, it, so did you know that you were having a stroke, or was that? Was that no, a,
2: well, I woke up. I woke up and found I was under a CT scan, and they said to me, Mrs. Duck, you've had a stroke. Wow. Well, I was blind in both eyes. You couldn't see. Couldn't see anything. So, but my left side, I couldn't feel a thing. You know, they lifted me on there. Wow. And so, yeah, you know... Um, so, they, what do you, so
0: what did you think then when they...
2: Well, all I just thought, God, no, I can't have brain surgery. I'm in here for heart, not, not brain. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose some people would think I need brain surgery. But, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so I was in there for, you know, so they said, we're going to put you around in the ward, wait 50 minutes and take you back under the screen and see where it's settled. Then we're going to operate on your brain. And all I could think was, no, Lord no, Lord, I can't do that, I can't do that. And so at and this we,
0: time we were praying as a fellowship.
2: Yes. Yeah.
1: We, there was about 300 of us at, yeah. at Woodcroft yeah. praying mm-hmm. and word comes through.
0: I should remember that. Mm. Yeah.
1: And Pastor Paul got out the front and said, right, we need to pray
0: right now. automatically
1: yeah. right now for Jenny. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just, um, you know, I, I was just thinking, Lord, All I can do is just lean on you because I've got nothing else, you know. And um, you can pray in the Holy Spirit with your brain, with your mouth shut, you know. And I was just thinking that, that I could pray in the Holy Spirit. But, um, you know, I was scared. I didn't know what was happening. I had no family member there with Mm. me. But I knew that the Lord was with me. So 50 minutes later, they put me under the scan again. And the doctors are behind the screen the doctor has been a stroke doctor for forty years and he's never seen it before. But in front of their eyes, the blood clot burst into smithereens. Instantly, my eyesight came back. Everything came back. Well, they didn't know what to do with me because they were scared of me. So they put me back in so, intensive what, care. You so know? what do you
0: mean they were scared? They just
2: well, well, they, they've never seen anything like that before. That you know, you can't be have a stroke and have all these symptoms and and have that for the whole you know fifty minutes on there. And they hadn't given... You know, when you have a stroke, apparently they can give you drugs to stop that as soon as they find... Well, they gave me nothing. Mm. I had nothing. So the Lord had done it all, you know. So instantly I got everything back. And then they thought, well, she might have another stroke. We'll put her back in intensive care. But, of course, it was like, God, turn me on. As soon as we put me back into intensive care... I knew God had done it. I knew God had done a miracle. And so I told everybody, and it was nearly, oh, not quite Easter time, I think it was, and uh, and I started telling people about the Lord and, and uh, what God had done and then what they did, what it did for my husband and what he's done for my children and what he's done for everything for me. But I was on fire for the Lord, you know, and I, and I, I just...
0: And so you've had no symptoms, nothing, no nothing.
2: Nothing. Look, you know, I run, I... Talk, guy, as you can hear. <laughs> there's,
0: there's plenty of that that goes on. I know. I've experienced it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but you know, just just so much. And we've got a business, you know, that is. Um, that's ama- That's just law- such
0: an amazing thing. After they, you know, they obviously put you back in intensive care, etc. Do you, you have to do checkups or anything? Well, or? well, the
2: thing is, um, the doctor when I went into intensive care, you know, doctors come around to each table and say, "Oh, dead serious face," you know, oh she's got this she's got that she's got this and then they got to me and this doctor said you shouldn't even be here, you're too happy i said i know i said the lord just told me you know and so um so then hence i've come out of um out of hospital but on a wrong medication yeah and uh that was terrible because i couldn't even get out of a chair and, and uh, i kept saying something's wrong and um anyway praying Lord you know help me here and and so yeah they found that they'd put me on the wrong wrong medication but they say today um as I am now and that's you know has so many years so how many how many years ago was this 2012 so yeah. six years now yeah that um you know I sh- I'm a still a sick girl they say that my heart it's they don't know what to do with me because I've never never seen this before mm. and yet you know um they say well you know, you're sick, you've got to take it easy and lie down and don't do anything. But I don't, you know, as Chris and I you're said. Pretty,
0: you're a pretty hard-working person.
2: I am a hard-working person.
0: <laughs> there's, no, there's no slowing you down. No.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, that's right. And and Chris and I went away, you know, to um, um, New Zealand and we had a fantastic time and, you know, you wouldn't stop me from doing anything because it's the Lord that's doing mm. everything in my life, you know, mm. he's changed me. Can, can I just tag Jenny's a bit.
0: Tag Jenny sure. Because
1: another amazing thing to me was that Peter was in that plane for about an hour with a lot of open wounds and amazingly enough he survived just that alone you know and then Jenny the only way she could recognise him was a mole on his leg he was so. Is
0: that right?
1: He was so out of you know, if yeah. everything swells. Yeah. And the other amazing thing, while this dear sister's got, well, dear sister in the Lord ha, has Peter in the hospital in Brisbane. Number two son decides going motorbike racing or cross country, and he
2: ended up in the hospital at in in Dole, in Toowoomba. So Peter's in the in the Brisbane hospital. Uh, in intensive care. Philip, he'd, he'd punctured a spleen and a kidney, so he's in the Toowoomba Hospital. And then my other son, Brian, decided to play tennis and throw a ball over the fence. Instead of going through the gate, climbed the fence and broke his arm and he was in the Dolby Hospital. So I had three people of my family members in the hospital at the same time. You know,
0: and Can I, can I just <laughs> say, I'm really glad I'm not part of your family. <laughs>
2: Oh, I'm part of your. I'm
0: part of your spiritual that's family.
2: Right. <laughs> but see, we, we try. We've always changed. Like Chris and I, we've always made our family members have live life to the fullest and enjoy life. Don't sit down and be on a computer these days. That there's so much out there, but to have the Lord in your life, that's what makes all the difference. Mm-hmm.
0: pretty phenomenal story isn't it i just love it jenny's absolute faith that god will work in her life regardless of what the circumstances might look like at the time and that's a promise that we're given when we read in his word don't miss part two of this interview by making sure you are subscribed using your favorite podcast app we're available on lots of different apps like apple podcast spotify podbean etc You can also find all of the episodes on www.revivalontheairtoday.com. Would you like God to be real, alive and working in your life just like in Jenny's? Well then head over to our website www.therevivalfellowship.com to find out what the Bible says about how to make this happen. Or send me an email, podcast at revivalontheairtoday.com and we can chat on the email or on the phone. Until next time, God bless.